Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hello, and welcome back to the latest episode of Renewables. We're super excited about this episode today. We actually have uh, a former employee of Biostar Renewables here, Christian Purvis. We're really excited to have Christian. Christian left Biostar, uh, gosh, what has it been, to almost two years now, Christian? Yeah. Two, two years ago to pursue um, a real estate job with Port KC, who has been absolutely instrumental in the redevelopment of the Berkeley Riverfront Park and everything streetcar. And we have a lot of awesome topics that we're going to talk about today. Christian, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, David. I appreciate the opportunity. This is really cool. I'm a fan of the podcast, have jumped in on a couple episodes on Spotify. So very happy uh, with what you guys are doing. And uh, shout out to my former team over at Biostar. You guys do great work. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we're really excited to talk with you because a lot of our listeners uh, are from the Kansas City area. We have a lot of listeners outside of the Kansas City area, but I think this episode will actually be fascinating for all of the above because Kansas City is doing some really, really cool things right now with the redevelopment of not only our, our downtown, but some of the surrounding areas and neighborhoods that we're, we're making accessible and sparking development um, through transit-oriented development, which is a term that I just learned that, that you taught me, which I think is really cool, and responsible land use and walkability. So we're going to get into all these topics. Um, we're going to get into talking about how the Missouri River is our greatest asset and, and how can we really maximize that asset for our city um, and get into, you know, how do we get Kansas City into this global transit hub so lots of great topics that we're going to get to today, but let's start for our listeners and viewers, um, you know, walk us through who is Christian Purvis and your background and and how you ended up where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's just start at the beginning, you know, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, a city of incredible urban sprawl. That's what it's known for. And uh, went to Arizona State University and started to study something called sustainability. And I didn't actually really know what it was uh, and got into it and, and found out that this is a really cool topic to, to dive into because I'm such a big picture thinker uh, that it, it really enveloped a lot of things I'm interested in. It was kind of a cross section of not only renewable energy, you know, clean energy, but responsible land use, as you mentioned, uh, topics called smart growth and new urbanism. So it was a blend of, you know, how do we, how do we build our economies for, for, for the betterment of everybody, but let's do it in a really responsible, socially responsible way as, as well as environmentally responsible. So I liked how that, that topic, that learning area really fit with my personality. And then I got a hold of something called uh, the United Nations sustainable development goals. And people are generally familiar with this. I mean, sustainability has been studied now for a few decades. And the overall idea of sustainable development is a development that meets the needs of the current generation without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. So that's kind of a mouthful, but, but generally it means, you know, let's take care of the planet. Let's take care of 
our profits and let's also take care of the social fabric as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're familiar with those goals and obviously renewable energy is a, a component of that. And, um, you know, we, we wouldn't be here today if, uh, the cost of renewable energy hadn't come down to a point where it's competitive with, with other energy, you know, forms created from finite resources. So, um, so talk to me a little bit about, um, sort of the transition, I guess, because you, you went into renewables, but I think you really had a passion for um, sustainable design and I guess sustainability more as a whole, because energy is really just one component of that, right? Uh, so much of it has to do with, with the way that you develop areas. So talk to me a little bit about that. Absolutely, yeah. And it kind of goes back to my education at Arizona State. Uh, shout out to my, my Sun Devils out there. All right. Uh, they introduced something called the Global Institute of Sustainability. And at the time, uh, this was just kind of like a pilot program. I think I was the first or second graduating class from the program. Uh, but they had a track called um, Renewable Energy and, and Materials and Technology. And so being a person who was interested in technology and in doing good for the environment, it was kind of a cool blend. And I just had a sense that this was going to be a a new form of energy that we consume in the earth. And lo and behold, you know, 10, 12 years later, uh, as you know, intimately, uh, solar and wind development has just exploded in terms of installed capacity. So when I came out of school and jumped into renewable energy, it was like the perfect timing to see the graph just go up like this. Because as you mentioned, the cost of the components came down so greatly and the technology and the efficiency increased so greatly that it was this nexus point where it just became the fastest growing energy technology in the earth. So um, I transitioned because I, I really enjoyed renewable energy and I, I learned a ton from project development. Uh, but in that, I learned that I really enjoy making spaces for people, which is another aspect of sustainability. Like I mentioned, the UN Sustainability Development Goals you know, they go from everything from, you know, no poverty. Okay, well, that, that sounds good. You know, no, no hunger. Well, that, that's another thing I'm really interested in. Gender equality, that, that sounded pretty good. And then clean energy, clean water. So all these topics really kind of mold together. But one of them is sustainable cities. And that gets into how do we use our land? How do we use uh, the, our real estate in a responsible manner? Uh, that's that's equitable and that's like socially responsible and is diverse and is mixed income and affordable. So and also creates like an attractive sense of place for people. Yeah, that's really, really interesting stuff. And I can tell that you have a passion for it. It's awesome that you're doing something you're you're super passionate about. So let's get into Kansas City and, and Port KC and just tell us first what is Port KC's role in developing uh, all these amazing new neighborhoods? The Berkeley Riverfront obviously comes to, to mind. Uh, you know, the um, downtown city market area, river market area has really, really seen a ton of growth. And then, of course, we have to talk about the streetcar because I think that's been really a catalyst for that growth. But, but tell us first, what is Port KC's role in all these improvements that we're seeing downtown? 
Yeah, so I've been working on my elevator pitch for Port KC for like two years now, and I still don't really have <laughs> because just the breadth of things that we do is so great. It's hard for me to explain, you know, that in, in a way that makes sense to people, all the things that we do, but I'll take a best shot at it. I, I like to start with the fact that Port KC is the Port Authority of Kansas City. So we actually do have a port. You know, we're located on the largest navigable waterway in the United States and we operate a port. Now this isn't like a, a port that would be at LA or in, on the Gulf Coast or something like that, that we generally think of with all the shipping containers around, right. uh, but we move a significant number of river barges uh, up and down the Missouri that bring commodities to Kansas City or take them from and ship them to another city. So the amount of riverborne commerce that we've seen uh, in the last few years, we've had double digit growth in our tonnage every single year for the last few wow. years. We're breaking records almost every year. Now COVID's an, an exception to that, but uh, riverborne commerce is, is such like a fast, affordable, efficient way to move product. Not only does it, uh, it's, it's less carbon intensive, uh, but it also takes a lot of trucks off the road. So it can move way more tonnage of, of product up the river uh, for a lot less uh, carbon emissions and intensity. And it yeah. also drivers like uh, miles on the road and, and dangerous conditions, stuff like that. Well, that's super interesting because you don't think about today's sort of global commerce uh, world that we live in. And I mean, at least for me, when I think about trade and transportation uh, and I start to think about rivers, I think and way back to the old days, you know, of, of old um, trading amongst rivers. And I know that that's why our cities were oftentimes built on rivers, but I guess I didn't have an understanding of how important that really is today. You obviously think of um, highways and planes and of course rail. Um, but so that's really interesting. So you're saying that uh, our riverborne commerce, commerce is actually experiencing double-digit growth. Was there, um, is that because of sort of what we're doing in, in developing our city? Or I guess, help me understand sort of the factors that are kind of playing into why we're seeing that that big of growth and had it, have we not been growing at a good pace, uh, you know, prior to five or six years ago? Great question. I think part of it is because we, at the time, we didn't really have a, a Port KC staff that was sophisticated enough to really deal with uh, increasing river barge traffic and bringing commodities okay. to the area. But we have one of the largest port authorities. Uh, we're a political agency of the state of Missouri, uh, but we have one of the largest port authorities in all of Missouri. I think we're by staff, we're like 13 people, which is, you know, in some cases, triple other staff. Sure. Um, Across, across the state. So we've got, you know, really experienced people who know what they're doing and are, are really great at uh, connecting and networking with other communities and bringing some of the, this product downstream. So somebody said it best, like, you know, transportation and uh, in commerce and trade, I mean, think these things have been going on for millennium. Like, whether it's the Tigris and the Euphrates converging or the Kansas and the Missouri, civilizations have been built on the back of rivers and river systems since the beginning of time. Sure. So 
so we're taking advantage of our asset, which is the Missouri River connects right into the Mississippi River and right out into the Gulf. So the, the long-term vision of this is that Kansas City would become uh, potentially the nation's greatest inland port system, port terminal. And we have a multi-year, multi-billion dollar project on the horizon called the Missouri River Terminal, which will be a, a port a terminal that connects river shipping vessels and river barges to directly to rail. So not only could you bring um, big shipping vessels with, with shipping containers on them, but you could bring river barges upstream and then all that product can be unloaded and moved directly to rail and then taken all across the nation. So it's, it's really going to be um, a backbone for the US for commerce and for trade. And I think it's gonna make Kansas City a global transportation and commerce hub in the future. That is that is so cool to hear. And to be frank with you, not exactly where I thought this conversation was gonna go, which is great. Um, uh, so it's really, really cool to understand kind of that as a bigger picture. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that we've only recently really started to invest the resources and build the infrastructure to make that happen. And so that's a large part of the reason that we're seeing this double digit growth that that's really cool. So talk to me about the, um, you say a global transit hub and I'll be frank when I saw that kind of bullet point that we exchanged before the show, uh, I was thinking the new airport and, uh, I, I just wasn't going to the river. So, so that's super interesting. How do you think that the development of a new airport plays into that though? Because, um, I know, you know, as a business traveler, of course, pre-COVID, um, there was always a lot of frustration about being able to get out to the East Coast easily. Uh, there's a lot of direct flights to the West Coast, but how do you think the development of the new airport plays into that and being able to have more flights available? Is, is that an important component from your standpoint? Absolutely. I mean, uh, just the word airport has port in it. So yeah. <laughs> being more connected as a as a city and kind of being on the map you know sure. we've got a lot of notoriety in our city for for a lot of things we're, we're a huge rail terminal here i think we have the most miles of commercial rail track rail uh miles in the entire nation we're a huge uh truck hub for moving product obviously we're investing in a multi-billion dollar airport we're going to be investing in a multi-billion dollar river port terminal so Kansas City's on the rise, and, and it's not just, you know, winning football games and winning baseball games, although not this season. But it's, we're, we're really doing some cool things uh, around the metropolis, so it's, it's exciting. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. And, hey, having a $450 million quarterback, uh, I think, has a return on investment also. So, so I think that's important, too. But, but no, uh, and, and how about those Chiefs, by the way? We're uh, recording this just a, a day after a, a big blowout win over the Ravens. So we got to give a shout out to our Chiefs. So so let's shift a little bit, uh, Christian. The conversation around the river port is fascinating, but let's shift a little bit to responsible land use and all this incredible development of our downtown area. Uh, I think you brought some statistics that I'm super interested to hear Let's kind of go to the streetcar, the streetcar expansion, what that's done to spark sort of a new generation of real estate development. And then as a layer to that, you know, 
it's really important to use every square foot uh, responsibly and to really consider um, different mixed use designs, walkability, um, you know, everything like that. So, so talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, the streetcar and how that's been a catalyst for growth and redevelopment downtown. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'll start with streetcar. Uh, just to throw out some data points, all right? So Streetcar was basically born in 2016. They did some pre-development work in, in 2014 and stuff, but really 2016 is when passengers could ride the streetcar. And since then, in you know only four years, we've had eight and a half million people in ridership. So we've had eight and a half million trips and on average about two million per year or five to 6,000 per day. So for Kansas City, a, a, a city that did not historically have public transit uh, in, in a really big way, this is really big news. So it's had huge amount of growth, uh, a loyal ridership base. And the, the big thing that Kansas Cityans are talking about are the extensions, of course, because you know in the world of public transit, a, a short, uh, streetcar line kind of going up and down Main Street, that's not that big of a deal, right? Mm. I mean, you're talking in places like New York or Boston or Bay Area or Denver even with their light rail. Uh, there's a lot of cities that are doing amazing things. But for Kansas City, I mean, this is really big news. It's, it's been incredible um, growth in our economy. And we've seen huge amounts of people not only using the streetcar, but development concentrating around it. So you, you talked about the term transit-oriented development. Well, that's exactly what this is. You know, you, you bring in a huge corridor of investment, um, build a backbone of transit, and then all of a sudden, uh, real estate developers are hungry to, to get in at an early land value, right? They wanna, they yeah. wanna get, they know the growth is gonna be high in the years ahead, and that's exactly what's happened. They were projecting something like, you know, $200 million in investment growth and economic development around the area, around that particular corridor on Main Street in 2016 when this whole started. But we've actually seen $4 billion in growth. We've, wow. we've like 20 times what they were expecting. So it's, it's truly a, a huge opportunity for Kansas City. And the big news, like I mentioned, is the extension, not only going south, but going north to where Port KC's property is, which is Berkeley Riverfront. And that's, that's kind of the role that I was hired for, which is to develop and work with third-party developers and architects and engineers on developing this land uh, and getting it, getting it ready to put back on, into good economic use. Sure. Yeah, that's super fascinating. I know, um, Probably a year, year and a half ago, I had heard 200 million expected, 2 billion in actual. It sounds like it's it's 4 billion now. So, I mean, just unbelievable uh, doubling amounts of growth. And it's super exciting. And, and, you know, I think we've done a really good job personally of sort of maintaining the integrity of our downtown and, and making things look beautiful as well, which I think is, is really important. Um, and so for our listeners who may not know or may not be a local to Kansas City, uh, as Christian mentioned, we had the first phase of the streetcar, which really just connected our river market 
sort of to the crossroads area. I how long is that first part of the streetcar? About two miles? A couple miles, yeah. A couple it's, miles, it's, yeah. And then now we've had a, a zone or a phase passed, uh, which is hasn't been built yet, but will expand basically connecting downtown to the plaza area and to UMKC, which is our, our fantastic university. I think that's worth mentioning. And then uh, subsequently another extension down to the riverfront, uh, where, as Christian mentioned, Port KC's property is. And I just love that riverfront area. I think uh, the guys who founded Bar K did an amazing job down there. And I have two dogs and we love going down there on the weekends. The apartments look super nice. Uh, but I always kind of said or, or said when they started building those apartments, you know, man, I don't, it, the dots just quite aren't quite connected into that city market, river market area. I think this really does that. So just talk about the importance of um, walkability, but also, you know, being able to hop on a streetcar. And I'm also curious if you have any insight to, like, who are these 5,000 rides a day? Are, are, do you think a big chunk of that is people on the weekend exploring around downtown? Or do you think that most of that is, are people using it functionally in their daily lives? Yeah, I would direct people to the streetcar website for some of that hard, those hard data points. But from what yeah. I've heard, I just, I was on the phone this morning with the communications director of the streetcar, uh, just to get these data points correct. It sounds like a lot of people are using this for work. They're actually using yeah. it from, uh, from their home to their job or vice versa, or just exploring the area, like you said, on the weekends. So there's a loyal base of people that are using this uh, just for their everyday life. Yeah, and that's great. That's what we want to see, right? I mean, we want to see um, we want to see people really using this and and using it to connect their work lives and their home lives. And you know, Kansas City, I think, um, has so many awesome features and benefits to living here. But but walkability is really a big part of it. I mean, even more in the burbs where I live, I can kind of walk to Prairie Village, walk to Brookside uh, from my house, which is really really cool. But now you look at, uh, have some friends who just got these new apartments in the, the city market, river market area. And between walkability and using the streetcar, I mean, they've got access to a huge, huge part of the town. And, and it's really, really cool to see um, all of the, the restaurant development down there has been fantastic. I know COVID's making, made a big dent in that. Um, but speaking of COVID, let's just talk a little bit about, um, you know, how important it is to sort of have that walkability and have that um, that sort of focus on mixed use development around where you live, particularly now as people aren't getting in their cars and commuting to offices further away, um, you know, how do you see COVID sort of playing into this? I guess there could be some issues on the other side with respect to, you know, people not wanting to use public transit. Um, but how do you see sort of developing all that land responsibly playing into this world that we're living in now with COVID? You, you've touched on a lot of topics that actually are kind of enveloped in one term. It's an urban planning term and it's called smart growth. And it's named after David Smart, by the way. <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> smart growth is a theory of land planning that basically says, okay, 
how do we direct development to existing communities? You know, we've, we, we've got a history in Kansas City of kind of building outwards. We've built, yep. you know, I live in the Burbs um, in, in South KC, and we've built a lot of, frankly, expensive infrastructure to move people out there. You're talking sewer sure. lines, lines uh, fiber lines, things like that. And can the city really sustain that kind of outward growth into infinite sprawl? I mean, at some point, we're going to turn into Houston and, and, and Phoenix. You know, yeah. not, not that those things are bad, but it is expensive in, infrastructure to maintain. So the, the goal of smart growth is really to say, let's use our land responsibly. Let's focus on compact density, walkability, preserving open space. Uh, like you said, mixing land uses together. Mixed use is a huge component of what we do. We're talking various transportation choices, housing opportunities, and creating that sense of place that I talked about. And while also like, doing some things that are really important right now in our current uh, political environment, which is being fair and equitable and racially diverse. So these are all topics that we're talking about at a national level, but we're actually doing, and Port KC is trying to contribute to on a local level for Kansas City. So I think it's, you mentioned walkability. I mean, that's just something that has been on the rise for the last 20, 30 years. I mean, we've We've seen communities doing urban infill and brownfield remediation, things like that, where you're taking an environmentally contaminated piece of land. Uh, and this is what Port KC specializes in, by the way. We're, we're an agency that kind of sits on the crossroads of the public and the private sector. So we often take on projects that are too expensive for the private sector to enter into alone. So we will take ownership of property. We'll put our resources and skill to cleaning it up uh, and then we will put it back on the tax rolls for good economic use. So for instance, Berkeley Riverfront is accreted land from, from the Missouri River, meaning like it's just buildup of the sediment and soil. And it was never platted. It was never on the tax rolls. It's never been productive to the economy at all in Kansas City. So we're taking this land. It had a history of environmental contamination. I'm talking heavy metals, coal gasification dumping grounds, you know, they had the old car tow lot here and they had, uh, they dumped the roof of the Kemper arena down here. So it was just rubble uh, for, for many decades until yeah. the, and the port and utilizing federal grant money came in and said, let's, let's craft a vision for Berkeley Riverfront because the whole idea is how do we get Kansas Cityans back in touch with their roots on the river? So we were born a river city, uh, Lewis and Clark were floating down the Missouri on their westward uh, exploration. And we, we've since like moved either south or north, right? Away from the river. But yeah. we don't have any kind of beautiful beaches and, you know, blue water to kind of go jump into. But we've got the Missouri and it's muddy and it's, and it's brown, but it's beautiful, you know? And let's, yeah. let's, because there's, it, it's, it's a way to use our land and to showcase the best of our city. And so let's, let's build a world-class community on the river uh, that's connected to the streetcar and that's dense and walkable and that is equitable and is affordable for a lot of different types of people. So one other thing is I'll mention like what I'm most proud of, of working on uh, at Port KC in the time that I've been here, which is only two years now, but it feels like a lifetime is we are, kind of aggressively pursuing low-income housing projects. Now, we're not 
we're not an affordable housing um, agency. We don't we don't consider ourselves to be one, but we want to be committed to addressing the crisis that is in this city and is in many cities across the country. So sure. affordable housing is 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 one of the issues that keeps people in the cycle of poverty that they can never break because they're not able to get access to adequate, safe, affordable dwelling units. Sure. And so that's something that we're, we're really working on. In fact, down here at Berkeley Riverfront, we, we just um, are under construction with a new deal with a local developer for a 350 unit apartment complex, kind of similar to the union project that I'm standing in, uh, but it will have a mixed income component to it. So there will be affordability component where people are able to, um, who are making lower incomes, such as you know public servants, teachers, firemen, uh, yeah. police who serve our city but yet can't afford to So sure. that, those concepts, they all play into this idea of smart growth, which plays into sustainability, uh, which is a goal of you know the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals. So it's all we're, we're just having the same conversation in different uh, different lights of the rainbow, you know. Different. Sure. Well, that's super interesting. I'm glad you brought up the affordable housing and, and the infill. Um, I actually, before I was uh, married and kind of moved to the burbs, as I said earlier, I had a house um, in Midtown down at 35th and Holmes. And I bought it in uh, early 2014 and really saw the, the product of infill and, and the um, redevelopment of spaces and communities that we already have firsthand. Mac Properties did an unbelievable job down there um, flipping, you know, these apartment buildings uh, and bringing them up to market rate buildings. But I know that a lot of affordable housing was sort of lost in that. And so I've seen and been really happy to see there's actually a fantastic four corner redevelopment there at Armour uh, and Troost, where I know they're doing, um, you know, a, a portion of the, the housing has to be affordable housing. And uh, they're trying to attack attract through certain credits and incentives, school teachers and, and different types of individuals that serve our community are so important to our community. So that's been really cool to see. I know over at 36 and I think Broadway now, um, Jason Swords, his group, for the real estate fans listening, uh, Area, Tim Schaefer, a friend of mine, friend of my parents, has a great podcast where he brings a lot of different real estate developers on and I just listened to uh, Sunflower Development's episode, and, and they're up to some really cool stuff over there and doing some great things for our city as well. Um, but no, these are all really awesome topics. I love geeking out on real estate and the trends of our city, so I could go uh, for hours here. But we're, we're up at about 31 minutes. So Christian, I want to just give you one last opportunity to kind of plug Port KC, how can people get online and find you all and learn about the good work that you're doing? Um, you also mentioned the streetcar website, which might be helpful to mention just if you have it handy. Uh, but how can people find out about Port KC and dig a little bit deeper into your all's broader vision for the city? Yeah, I think, first of all, go to portkc.com that, that kind of lists out what our vision is, who we are, uh, what our mandate is from the state and how our process works. And then, as you mentioned, the streetcar website, kcstreetcar.com, you can find out all the data points on ridership, the things we talked about today, 
what I'm what I'm really excited about is the extension, obviously, to to Berkeley. You know, we put in money, uh, an application to to this to the feds to find to find out if we could get grant money, and lo and behold, we we actually got it, which was shocking. You never know if you submit an application into the black hole if you'll ever get a response, but it's very good to see federal money, taxpayer money coming back to Kansas City, reinvesting in Kansas City infrastructure, uh, very sweet. So we are hoping that that will uh, go be available, that extension will happen in 2024 uh, or 2023, hopefully, if we can, we can get the design out of the way. But uh, very exciting. It's going to do wonders for the development life cycle down here at Berkeley. It's just going to ramp things up and, and make our riverfront truly a world-class neighborhood. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, Christian, thank you for coming on. I love, I have a totally new perspective now of the the mighty Missouri River and, and what that really is doing for our community. You all are doing great work down there. Christian Purvis, Development Manager of Real Estate for Port KC. Check out what they're doing on portkc.com. And uh, Christian, thank you again for coming on the show. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, David. I really appreciate the opportunity. And again, you guys are doing great work at Biostar. I miss the team over there. Awesome. awesome. I will well, give I will them, give them uh, your, uh, best. your best. And have a great and rest of your week, week, Christian. Christian. Take Christian. care. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.